0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. And this is airing typically around 9 a.m. Eastern time, but this is not a very exciting Monday. Uh, In fact, it's the opposite of where we were a week ago. A week ago, everyone was shouting from the rooftops how great the Steelers were after their come-from-behind win in Buffalo over the Buffalo Bills. And this week... My, how the tables have turned. Uh, It's reminiscent of so many different things, but I wanted to try and put some clarity or my own opinion on what the Steelers are going through right now. Uh, There's a lot of fans out there. You know, I do the post-game show with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, and if you've ever been a part of a live show of any of our shows on our podcast platform, whether it's, you know, one of the regular shows like – touchdown under or know your enemy, it doesn't matter which one, whether you're watching live on Facebook or on YouTube, the live chat is, especially on YouTube, is very crazy. There are times where the live chat can be going rapid fire. And I, I cannot stress enough how I watched the live chat. People were acting as if the Steelers had just lost the Super Bowl or maybe not so much the Super Bowl that they lost a playoff game. And they didn't. And yes, was it disappointing? Absolutely. Yes, did I think the Steelers were going to win? I did. Did I think it was going to be close? If you listen to the show on Friday, I said it was going to be close, a one score game close. But here's the thing it didn't turn out that way. And there's a, in my opinion, there is a clear reason why the Steelers are struggling. Maybe two. And I'm going to talk about that right after I talk about behindthesteelcurtain.com. Now, I know that a lot of you might not want to listen to podcasts or read about the Steelers after a loss like this, but I can not stress that there are still 15 more of these games to be played, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be fighting in every single one of them. I still feel they're going to be in every single game like they were today, win, lose, or draw. They're not going to have a lot of blowout defeats, and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. uh, There's a lot of news going on with the injuries and things of that ilk. We will have the latest and breaking news for you at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. So make sure you check out that site early and often so that you're in the know and and you're up to speed with everything related to the Steelers. On top of that, our our podcast platform is not going to slow down just because of a loss. We are going to continue with our shows. I hope that if you're a diehard Steeler fan, you continue to listen. You continue to check out the shows if anything to learn where are they going to go from here maybe it's downhill maybe it's coming maybe they're on their way of figuring something out I don't know I don't know if anyone knows but hopefully you check out all of our podcasts so we can kind of piece this together and like I said I understood last year at the end of the season the AFC wildcard game the Browns Heinz Field we all know how that played out boy people turned it off and I got it I understood it why I felt like turning it off. I wasn't allowed to because it's my job, but I felt like just saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I need to take a break from this team. They've done nothing but break my heart. Um, I get it. But at the same time, I hope that you stick with us uh, at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and our podcast platform. You won't be disappointed. And I have a feeling the Steelers are going to win some more games, so stay with us. But you know what happened to this game? What happened on Sunday at Heinz Field when the Las Vegas Raiders came to town? It seemed as if well, if you listen to people like Michael Beck and definitely others, Michael's not alone. I'm not singling him out. This was going to be a cakewalk. The Steelers were going to be able to walk in there, and to me, it all started on Friday. On Friday, you know, Dave Schofield does the injury report. I do the injury report podcast. He does the articles, and all of a sudden, started, starters, two out of the three players that just got magically added to the injury report, two of them were defensive starters, Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, groin injuries—they're listed as questionable—and so we're all wondering, okay, how's this? How's this going to look? Uh, are they going to play? Are they going to be? Are they going to have their status changed, like uh, that happened to Alex Highsmith leading into Week One? Well, it didn't, but we all sort of held out hope that they would be in the lineup, and so. I'm sitting there, and I'm listening, and I'm actually going for a walk with my family and my phone buzzes, and it's Michael Beck putting it in our Slack channel that the inactive list is out, and lo and behold, the Steelers do not have Devin Bush or Joe Hayden available to them on Sunday. What a crushing blow before the game even begins. We had talked all week about how the Steelers were going to have to try and contain Darren Waller and how... Devin Bush was a big part of that equation. And with him out of the lineup and with Joe Hayden out of the lineup, which, by the way, I think Joe Hayden's loss was worse than any other injury. And that includes in-game injuries when Tyson Aluoglu broke his ankle and also when T.J. Watt left with his own groin injury. Not having Joe Hayden put the Steelers secondary in an awful bind, and we'll get into that later. In the second half of this show, we're going to do winners and losers, and I'll talk more about individual players and stuff like that. Nonetheless, it all started on Friday, and then, like I said, those in-game injuries, injuries were a huge factor in this game, a huge factor, and anyone that says, oh, you know, it's the next man up, it's the standard is the standard, that is all fine, and that's great for fans to say that stuff, and for Mike Tomlin to blow smoke up you-know-where every single Tuesday at his press conference, but here's the harsh reality of any competitive athletic endeavor. I don't care if it's high school sports, collegiate sports, or professional sports. You have a depth chart for a reason. Not every player on your depth chart is going to be a starter, clearly, they're not going to be a starter if they were they would be starting and so with every injury with every player that is not available the the next step down is a little bit less of a complete player I'm not saying they're bad these players in the nfl are still good players but justin lane james pierre akella witherspoon they're not joe hayden and when you miss joe hayden you're putting Cam Sutton in a different position. And if you want to keep Cam Sutton in the same position, you're going to have to use other people. That's why I kept on saying uh, that I think Joe Hayden's absence was bigger than anyone else that they lost due to injury. Also, let's not also forget that these injuries to Bush and Hayden happened on Friday. They happened on Friday. As a coach especially a football coach where you spend all week preparing. I'm not saying that it's an excuse, but don't think that it didn't have an impact for the game plan. You think you're going to have these players and you think you're developing a game plan around the fact that, you know, that Hayden, okay, Joe's going to be there. He's healthy. He's good. Devin Bush is going to be there. He's healthy. He's good. Friday rolls around and Oh boy. Now what do we do? Do you completely scrap your game plan, or do you try to kind of band-aid it together? Well, it looked like they had to band-aid it together, and we all saw what happened. But injuries weren't the biggest factor in why the Steelers lost this game. Everyone wants answers. Everyone wants to know what is going on with this offense. Is it Matt Canada? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. Open your eyes and watch the game. And the reason why I say this, you yesterday in the post-game show, I was— Talking about Ben Roethlisberger, we always do grades in the postgame show. If you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. We do offense in part one, and then we do defense and special teams in part two. And so I'm listening I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield talk about Ben. And I gave Ben, I want to say it was, a, it was a pretty bad grade. It was like a D, maybe a C minus or something around that area. And the more I thought about it, and this is after the show, during the show, I kept on thinking to myself, was Ben really that bad? It was Ben misfiring on a ton of passes on Buffalo in week one. Yeah, I thought he was bad. To be honest with you, I didn't think he was as bad in this game. Do you know what the difference was? The difference was the difference is the answer to my question. What's going on? It's the offensive line. The offensive line is horrible right now. I mean, they are as close to trash as you can get without me sounding like I hate the Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, they gave up two sacks to Ben. They they surrendered two sacks to Ben Roethlisberger. And you're thinking, that's not too bad, Jeff. One of those, Ben was kind of scrambling forward. He gets tied. Someone dives, gets clips his ankle. He falls at the line of scrimmage. Technically, that's a sack, whatever. They gave up 10 quarterback hits, 10 quarterback hits. So if you watch the game and if you haven't, Go check the highlights or try to find the, the if there's a replay somewhere online. Ben was literally running for his life on several of these plays. Max Crosby himself had five quarterback hits. This is almost as staggering a number as when week one, Las Vegas Raiders, Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, Darren Waller was targeted 19 times. Ben Roethlisberger was hit 10 times. And you're thinking, okay, pass pro is a little bad. What about the running game, Jeff? Like, what's going on there? Well, I'll tell you what's going on there. The offensive line's not good enough. Najee Harris is, in my opinion, a phenomenal running back. The only thing you have to keep in mind with Najee Harris, and I said this on the post-game show, if you think about the running game, you think about the fact that the Steelers mustered nothing but just 39 yards. 39 yards rushing. And... Najee Harris accounted for 38 of those yards. Benny Snell got time. Two plays, I believe. He got the ball both times he was in there, too, by the way. Chase Claypool had a carry. Juju Schuster had a carry for a touchdown. But the one thing to keep in mind here is that Najee Harris, how many times have we seen the ball is snapped, handoff, He's making someone miss three, sometimes four yards in the backfield. He is literally fighting for his life to get back to the line of scrimmage or to gain one or two yards. So think of it this way. What if Benny Snell was the every down back? You think they'd have 39 yards rushing? Because I certainly don't. I thought Najee Harris had a great game on Sunday at Heinz Field. His results don't show it. But the amount of fight that this kid has to go through just to get simple two, three, four yard gains, if this offensive line were to give him some semblance of a hole on a consistent basis, he would be a 100-yard back every single week. He would be a must-start fantasy option. The problem is the offensive line can't do it. They cannot do it for whatever reason. I don't think it's a Matt Canada scheme thing. I don't think... It's a Ben Roethlisberger thing. I don't think it's anything other than the offensive line, which consists of five almost brand-new players at new positions, is just not up to snuff. And at this point, you have to ask yourself, will they get up to snuff this season? Is Zach Banner the triumphant return? Is that is that the player that... We as fans are going to bank on that, okay, when when Zach Banner comes back, everything will be fine. Chugs the core for can go to the left tackle again. Banner will have the right. Is that it? Is that it? Are we putting all of our hopeful eggs in that one basket of Zach Banner? I'm not sure if I'm comfortable doing that. And where? what about the guards? You know, Trey Turner, I'm going to talk about him in the second half of the show with winners and losers. Kevin Dotson, I mean, I get it too. The defenses have been crowding the box, and it is a cyclical problem. I mean, there's a yin and a yang here. The offensive line has to protect. Ben's got to deliver. The offensive line's got to open up holes. Najee's got to deliver when it counts. And honestly, I just have been so disgusted. It is the only thing that I can fathom. They have offensive line, I had someone on Twitter suggest that the offensive line play is, it doesn't mean anything, they just block. Now, I'm not going to say who it was, but I mean, come on. If the offensive line can't block, whether it's pass protection or run blocking, what's Matt Canada going to do? He could dial up the perfect play, and if it's not blocked properly, it won't work. It doesn't. I hope that resonates with everyone. If he dials up the perfect play, it won't work if it's not blocked. If the Steelers want to fix things, if the Steelers want to start scoring points, it starts up front. And I'm going to be honest, if they don't start... Getting things going against Cincinnati in week three. Change better happen. because I look at it this way. At what point are you going to say, oh, all right, if, if maybe it's Dan Moore at left tackle. Maybe it's Chooks of core for it right. At what point are you going to say, it's just not working? We thought it was going to work. We thought we could do this, but it's just not working. So what do you do, Jeff? That's, that's the next question. Well, what are they supposed to do? I'm going to try something different. Maybe I throw Joe Hague in there. Is it any worse than what we're seeing right now? Or maybe I try B.J. Finney at guard instead of Trey Turner, especially if Trey Turner gets suspended. Or maybe I try Chaz Green at left tackle. I literally have to do something. You can't literally bang your head against the wall repeatedly and do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. That is the definition of just idiocy, in my opinion. But those two things... Have become serious issues for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Injuries are creeping up. The boy did they get bit by the injury bug hard? And if you're thinking, "Oh, those guys with groin injuries, they'll be back next week," there's a chance. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. Tyson Alualu, Alu- Alu, he's basically done for the year. He's going to miss a significant amount of time, so he's done. So you got to expect uh, someone like Chris Wormley. You got to expect someone like Isaiah Bugs, maybe not Isaiah Loudermilk, to come in and step up. These injuries are an issue because even a defense as great as the Steelers, you get injuries to big time players, you're going to suffer. And the Steelers suffered big time on Sunday. But then also, if you don't start fixing that offensive line in some way, shape, or form, trying something, then it's going to be this type of struggle every single week. Every single week. Well, let's break this down into a little bit more of the, the minutia, the stat line the winners, and the losers. We're going to get to that right after this break. Stay tuned. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. We know what it is on Monday, or the day after the game, is when we talk about winners and losers. And this week, I had five winners and eight losers. Now, let's be clear. You're probably wondering, you're probably asking yourself at this time, how in the world could you have five winners? I felt that there were players that still played well enough to earn and deserve some credit. And you might also be thinking, eight losers, I could have... 22 losers, 11 on both sides of the football. I can't, I'm not doing that number one, and I can't do that number two. I mean, that would be a, a, just the longest article ever, but also it would become monotonous. There were some players that could have bounced either way, like Ben Roethlisberger. For the second straight week, I don't have him on either list. It's a situation where I thought Ben didn't play great. The interception was awful. I think we'll all admit that. He'd admit that. He did admit that after the game, but I also think about he didn't play poor enough that I would put him on the loser list. So let's go through this. We'll get we'll hammer these out. Five winners, eight losers. Let's get started with the winners. Top winner, and I should have had this individual in the winners column last week after the win in Buffalo, but I didn't do it. I overlooked him, and I apologize. Not overlooking this, though. Chris Boswell deserves to be on the winners list. He was money from 56 yards out the longest field goal in Heinz field history that's impressive he has been money in the bank ever since that 2018 it was just a debacle of a season I said this on the postgame show I'll say it here as well the Steelers could have easily easily just said you know what in 2018 he was that bad Boswell was that bad that they could have said we're done with him just we'll get rid of him. And the NFL treats kickers like a dime a dozen anyways, but they stuck with him. Maybe it was for contractual reasons. Maybe it wasn't. For whatever reason, Chris Boswell has made the Steelers say, boy, are we glad we kept that guy around. Another solid outing by Chris Boswell. He deserves to be on the winner's list. Next, Najee Harris. Stat line, 10 rushes, 38 yards, but he adds five receptions, 43 yards receiving, and he did have his first touchdown, a receiving touchdown. I believe it was about 23 yards. So Najee Harris, Najee Harris, again, the stats don't really bear out that he should be on the winner's list. But again, those 38 yards, boy, did he have to earn them. He had to earn every single one of those 38 yards. And I love seeing the five receptions for 43. The Steelers should use him more in the passing game. Everyone talked about his dual threat ability and things of that nature. The one thing, though, if you think back to everyone wants to compare him to Le'Veon Bell, and rightfully so, I get it. They're very similar in stature, style, stuff like that. But the Steelers used Bell more in the passing game. They actually trusted him to run routes to catch the football. I don't think Najee is there from a route running standpoint, but he's certainly capable. If they can get him the ball in space, that's when he does his damage. If that's passing, so be it. Najee Harris is a winner in this game. Next winner, wide receiver Deontay Johnson, here is his stat line. He had nine catches on 12 targets for 105 yards and a 41-yard long. You know, I didn't mention this earlier in the first segment, but when we talked about injuries, Deontay Johnson should have been brought up in a, on a meaningless play. I'm totally meaningless. The Steelers are down by two scores, less like 20 seconds left. Deontay Johnson catches a pass, injures his knee. No one knows the severity of that injury yet, but it's still an issue. He goes over 100 yards with that catch, but boy, is that a costly injury if he has to miss any time. But Deontay Johnson played well. The miscommunications with Ben Roethlisberger is still a question, but in terms of production, he produced Deontay Johnson deserves to be on the winner's list. Next winner, and this is a guy that was on my loser's list in the preseason, did not play in week one, but played in a big way in week two. That's Robert Spillane. So Spillane last week, you know, the shin injury leading up to the game, couldn't play. This week with Devin Bush out, Spillane played a lot. And he really looked like he was comfortable again. The reason why he looked comfortable is he didn't have to cover Everyone says, well, Robert Spillane can't cover. We know this. Anyone that watches football, watches the Steelers, knows he's that's not his forte. His forte is running downhill, tackling. That's what he does the best. And even though Spillane, I thought, got screwed on that roughing the passer call or unsportsmanlike, con, whatever they called it, when Derek Carr is scrambling and he doesn't slide, Spillane hits him in the shoulder with his shoulder, It looked worse than it was, but my goodness, they flagged him for it. It was a bad foul. Stat line for Robert Spillane, 12 tackles, 8 solo tackles, and 1 tackle for loss. I thought Robert Spillane did a good job. He deserves to be on the winner's list for this game, especially when probably up until Friday he thought he was just going to be a reserve player. He gets thrust into a bigger role, and he plays well. The last winner, before we go over to the losers column, is Melvin Ingram. His stat line, he had four tackles, one solo tackle, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Melvin Ingram was called just like Alex Highsmith was. He was called on more duty based on T.J. Watt's injury, and you could definitely see that both of those players yeah, but they were kind of, kind of winded at times. They weren't used to it. With T.J. Watt in there, they have a three-person rotation. They all are fresh. They're all able to rotate around without T.J. Watt. Melvin Ingram, Alex Highsmith, and Jameer Jones were called on to doing more and more, and that became that became an issue. But nonetheless, Melvin Ingram gets his first sack as a member of the Steelers. I thought he was disruptive. Um, at the same time. I think we were all hoping for a little bit more production from both Ingram and Highsmith. All right, let's go to the losers list. This is a long one. I'm going to start off with Trey Turner. Now, we've learned a lot since the end of the game about the situation that happened after the Steelers scored when Najee Harris uh, had his first re- a touchdown, his receiving touchdown. Trey Turner was ejected, and this was for what he spit on an opponent. Mike Tomlin was absolutely irate. After this, and I, I didn't understand at the time, and I want to apologize. Not nah, what am I apologizing for? I don't really want to apologize. I want to make sure everyone understands this. People that follow me on Twitter, uh, they were kind of giving me a hard time when I I had not seen the video of Trey Turner spitting. I had not seen the reports either, and I tweeted, "Mike Tomlin has every right to be mad." because there were uh, two penalties at the same time, offsetting penalties. One player gets ejected and the other doesn't. I didn't know that Trey Turner had spit on someone. But come to find out, at least according to the Steelers, that Trey Turner was, he got spit on first, and then he retaliated. Well, you know what? I'm a father. I'm also a school teacher. And you know, we always say the person that retaliates is the one that almost always gets caught. That doesn't make what they did right. That's just the way it works a lot of times. Trey Turner's a veteran. Mike Tomlin said that in his post-game press conference, that he's very even keel. He's not a young guy. He's not a hothead. So when he was that irate, Mike Tomlin knew something was up. Well, at the same time, if you're a veteran, you have to understand that even if someone spits on you, and I understand that that is like the lowest of the low, you can't retaliate. You can't put your team in that situation. It reminds me of of the time, I believe it was Marquise Pouncey's rookie season. So 2010, and there was a play, and Marquise Pouncey was getting was kind of getting into a scuffle after the play, and Mike Tomlin pulls him to the side, and he's yelling at him. You can't do that. You can't do that. And Pouncey's coming back, and I'm saying, man, they did this. They did that. And he said, no, you can't. You the, This is bigger than you. The team is bigger than you. And that's what I feel like. like Trey Turner's got to understand that. Marquise Pouncey was a young player at the time. Trey Turner's a veteran. I feel like he should know better. And the next loser on the list is injuries. My gosh, you talk about the multiple players that entered the game or left the game with injury. It was a a long list of players. And like I said at the beginning of the show, this injury bug has crept up on the Steelers in a big way. And let's just hope that some of these injuries, whether it's Hayden, Bush, Watt, uh, Deontay Johnson, hopefully they can all make their way back sooner rather than later. The next loser is, I'm just going to put, I guess, Mike Tomlin or living in your fears. You know, Mike Tomlin always says, oh, you know, we don't live in our fears. That's what he always says. And it's a situation where I think that's kind of become a slogan. We don't live in our fears. Well, when the fourth quarter, when you're trailing and you need a score and you have a fourth and one situation, you, you live in your fears by punting the football. And that's exactly what he did. And he justified it afterwards saying they felt they had enough time. He wanted to, he didn't want to give up field position. You're living in your fears. You're living in your fears that you're not going to get the yard. You're living in your fears that the offensive line's not going to make the block. You're living in your fears because you don't trust your players to go out and make a play. You trust your defense and he uh, of course mentioned that you know we did get the stop and they punted the ball back. I get that. But at the same time they killed They killed clock. You lost time. You lost time. And you showed, in my opinion, as a player, if that's me, and Ben Roethlisberger said after the game that he wanted to go for it, obviously he wanted to go for it. Players always want to go for it. He was disgusted. He wanted to go for it. Tomlin overruled him. And I think as a player, that is a gut punch. That's a gut punch to an offensive line, to a running back, to an offensive unit that, hey, I know it's fourth and one but I don't think you're going to get it. We're punting the ball away. That's living in your fears. That's cowardly. I hated it. Hated every bit of it. People want to justify it with football numbers, all this analytics. Get out of here. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. You you live in your fears by not going for it on fourth and one. Let's move on. The next loser is Akello Witherspoon. Now, uh, this was a topic of discussion on the postgame show. And a lot of people said, Hey, uh, was was that Witherspoon's only play? Now, I don't know. We haven't got... No one's received the snap counts yet. But Akella Witherspoon, what an introduction to the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base when you get out there and you give up a 61-yard touchdown reception to Mr. Ruggs of the Las Vegas Raiders. And that was the dagger. That was the dagger. The, the game was close. It was nip and tuck. It was back and forth. The Steelers looked like they were going to come right back. And then that happens. That 61-yard touchdown was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think everyone that's honest with themselves knew that after that play, game was over. Like That was it. So Akella Witherspoon, not saying his career in Pittsburgh is going to be short-lived. I'm not saying it's going to be awful, but not a very good introduction at Heinz Field to the Pittsburgh Steelers faithful. All right, let's go to the next loser, the offensive line. As I said earlier, they gave up two sacks. Uh, They gave up 10 quarterback hits and only 39 yards rushing. I put... The lion's share of the offensive woes on the offensive line. Has Ben Roethlisberger been perfect? No, by no no stretch of the imagination has he been perfect. Has Najee Harris been perfect? No, he's a rookie. He's gonna make mistakes. Have the wide receivers been perfect? No. I think Chase Claypool, and, you know, one of the, the the touchdown that was dropped, I felt like he could have brought that down. Was it a perfect pass? No, but he could have caught it, hit his hands, and the defender comes in. Yeah, I, I guess you're you're feeling that your best receiver is going to make that play. But the offensive line has been atrocious, has been absolutely atrocious. And so if the Steelers want to get back to their winning ways and they want to actually make some noise, they've got to get that short up real quick because that offensive line deserves to be on the losers list. Every single one of them. Next loser, the Steelers secondary I already talked about a witherspoon, but all you gotta do is look at Derek Carr's stat line. He finished 28 of 37, 382 yards And two touchdowns, and so this is a day where the Steelers secondary, without TJ Watt, you know, without you know Tyson Alualu, no Joe Hayden, I mentioned, already talked about that, you would think that the Steelers secondary would be okay, but without the pass rush, they were exposed. Derek Carr is what he did to the Steelers on Sunday. If TJ Watt can't play for let's say the next two weeks, then you're going to see exactly that. Every single week, they're going to spread them out, and they're just going to pick the defense apart. Now, if Hayden can come back, that's going to help tremendously. But if these players remain injured, and I mean Devin Bush, I mean Joe Hayden, because Devin Bush helps out with that secondary, even though he's not a safety or a cornerback. But my goodness, that secondary, whether it was Justin Lane, you know, with with tackling Hunter Renfro and kind of throwing him for the first down, James Pierre getting turned inside out, Uh, Akella Witherspoon, we talked about him. Minka Fitzpatrick, what was his responsibility on that play? Trey Norwood blitzing on that 61-yard touchdown, looking like he was trying not to touch Derek Carr. I could go on. You get my drift. The secondary deserves to be a loser. Two more. Penalties. The Steelers finished with five penalties for 43 yards. Not too bad. Not horrible. It's been worse. But at the same time, those penalties at those times were killers. Whether you're talking about Turner getting ejected, whether you're talking about, and because that impacts the game, not necessarily from a yardage standpoint, but that impacts the game. Uh, whether you're talking about false starts, it's by like the wide receiver sometimes. My gosh, how stupid is that? A wide receiver jumping off sides, might, that's just a total lack of mental discipline. You even look at Robert Spillane. You know, I know it's a questionable penalty, but still, that's a, it's a killer. When you get that flag, you're, gonna, you're losing yardage. You're giving new sets of downs. The penalties were an issue. It's something Mike Tomlin talked about a lot in his post-game press conference. And then lastly, I had them. The same area was on the losers list last week, third down offense. These are the critical moments of the game. You have to win these moments. Things like the red zone. You have to win in the red zone. You have to be able to not kick field goals and score touchdowns. And for the Steelers, believe it or not, in the red zone, they were one for one. In fact, they only got there once. That's a different story altogether. Nonetheless, you're looking at this game and you're saying, okay, third down offense, five for 12. For me, you got to be 500 or over. So if they were six for 12, I would probably say, okay, that's, It's a starting point, but my gosh, five for 12, that's just not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it, not in the National Football League, uh, really not at any level of football. I don't care if you're talking about middle school, high school, college, does not matter. All right, that's my winners and losers list. I want to finish this up with something. I could tell that on Twitter, there's a lot of people that were really angry and a lot of people that were really frustrated with the team. I get it. I do get it. I want you all to remember that it's just a game, but mainly it's just their second game. I think if you look back, at least in the modern era, you know we're talking about not the 1970s teams, but even those teams, if you go back and read the books and do your own research, you'll see none of the Super Bowl seasons were perfect. There were bumps along the road. And I can be honest with you, I will pick the Steelers probably every week, but at the same time, I never once thought... That they were going to finish this season undefeated. I told my listeners, don't even expect 11 and 0 to start the season. And they had their first bump in the road, the first turbulence, if you want to put it that way, using my plain analogy. This is give this team a chance to rebound. If they lose the next two, they lose to Cincinnati, lose to Green Bay and Lambeau, then maybe we start hitting the panic button. But if they beat Cincinnati next week, their first divisional game, they're 2-1, and one, going into Lambeau Field in Week 4, things look a little bit different, especially with Stefan Tewitt eligible to return in that Week 4 game. Same with Zach Banner eligible to return in that Week 4 game. Things could definitely change quickly. So when you're looking at this team, when you're looking at the overall landscape, it is still so early. And I could have said the same exact thing last week. Don't get so excited. It's just one game. Don't get so down this week. It's just one game. Let's see what this team, let's see what this coaching staff has up their sleeve, and let's see if they can go and beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Not going to be an easy game, by the way, at home next Sunday. And we're going to be with you every step of the way at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on our podcast platform. So remember... BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Wherever you get your podcasts, or Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. All right, folks, that's it for me. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, senior editor of Behind the Steel Curtain. Oh, this was a dud. We're going to get over it. We'll be ready. I'll be back on Wednesday with some mailbag questions. As we always finish it out here, be safe, be kind, and God bless those Steelers. Here we go. We got this.